0: Hello fellow Kentuckians and other friends and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie and joining me as always is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Robert. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. It's uh you know, it's 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 fall is creeping in. It's no longer 95 degrees every day. It's like 90 every like fourth or fifth day, but you know, that's <laughs> That's early fall in Kentucky. You know, football is p- going on. We got all kinds of stuff, even though our teams are are performing horribly. Uh, you know, it's,
1: it's
0: still fun to watch. Uh, so, you know, we we got a lot that's going on that that's good. Uh, but yeah, we, we're here today. No guest this week, but we have two kind of uh, stories that we wanted to talk about. We have been tracking uh, the story of Crystal Rogers uh, there in in Bardstown for quite a long time. I mean, we we've been talking about this one for years and years, uh, and and there's been a Uh, What looks like a break in the case Um, You know, it's something we've been tracking For a long time, and so we wanted to update it Jasmine's going to go over exactly Everything that's happened, why uh, We're talking about it now, what's been going on Um, So after she's done with that I am going to get to um, a bit of drama in uh, House District 93, the special election that's going on. Some some drama on the the Democratic side. Um, you know that's going to be a tough story uh, for me. But we're gonna we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about it, and then after the after that, we have a couple quick hits. So, without any further ado, Jasmine, tell us what we need to know about the Crystal Rogers case.
1: Okay, so it looks like there's been a break, or at least an arrest that's been made in the Crystal Rogers case, and. I mean, this has been an eight-year investigation at this point, and this is the first arrest that's been made in connection with Rogers' disappearance. Um, but if if you're new here, a quick little bit of recap: Crystal Rogers was reported missing on July third, twenty fifteen. She is a mom to five children, and she lived in Bardstown, Kentucky. She was last seen at the home that she shared with her boyfriend, Brooks Halk, And her car was found abandoned off the Bluegrass Parkway uh, two days after she was reported missing. Um, But Crystal has, has never been found. There have also been other like unsolved murders um, that are close in time to Crystal's disappearance. Um, For example, Officer Jason Ellis was um, ambushed and killed in 2013. So two years before Crystal's disappearance. And then Crystal's father was shot and killed 16 months after her disappearance. Um, There's also been um, another murder that was after her disappearance as well that hasn't been solved. Um, And there's a lot of media that you can... Uh, Listen to or watch about everything that's gone on in Bardstown. On our show, we had Shay McAllister on, um, who hosted a podcast called Bardstown. Yeah. Um, So you can go back and listen to that, or there's been like a Crime Junkies episode about this and um, TV specials and and all kinds of things. But um, that's kind of the. The basics of yeah. um, what happened back yeah. in 2015.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about, but like eight years ago, like true crime as a genre was nowhere near as popular as it is now. And it is the case that just about every major true crime like thing has done a Crystal Rogers episode. I would say that the Shane McAllister one is. I don't listen to a lot of true crime stuff, but that's one I, I did like. She has been a reporter that has been talking about this story for a very long time. She works for a television station here in Louisville, and it, I mean, it's still covering it. She she's done a lot of, a lot of work on this on this particular story, even even the one that we're talking about right now. So she's like stuck with it. So that's a good one to listen to, I think.
1: Yeah. So this is not a case where just lo- local law enforcement has has been on the case. The FBI has been involved. Um, So the FBI searched Brooks house, Brooks house farm around this time last year. Um, And then around this time, two years ago, there were raids um, by the FBI where several items were collected that were sent to Quantico for testing. Um, I was looking back like through our podcast notes where we've mentioned updates and they've all been around, um, September or October, like the last two years. So it seems like, you know, once a year there, there's been something that's gone on in in the case. Um, and so now we have an arrest that's been made last week, 32 year old Joseph Lawson was arrested for conspiracy to commit murder and tampering with physical evidence. So what's, you know, obvious here is that he's not charged with her murder um and i think if they believed that he was responsible for her murder that is what he would be charged with um so i think that it's believed that he was involved somehow um in the planning of it or aiding in the commission of it or or something um so a person is guilty of conspiracy to commit murder in Kentucky when um, they have to have the intent to promote or facilitate the commission of a crime. um, And they agree to do that with one or more persons that at least one of them will engage in conduct constituting that crime or an attempt or solicitation to commit such crime or they agree to aid one or more persons in the planning or commission of that crime. So you can have a conspiracy to commit anything. Um, So we had just a general criminal conspiracy statute and the level of crime it is depends on the level of crime that the, that the other crime um, that it connects to is. So conspiracy to commit murder because murder is a class a or capital offense conspiracy to commit murder is a Class B felony, um, which carries 10 to 20 years. Um, He's also charged with tampering with physical evidence. Um, So that means that they believe that he may have um, done something to, it can be a lot of different things. The statute says destroy, mutilate, conceal, remove, or alter physical evidence, uh, which he believes is about to be produced or used in an official proceeding with intent to impair its verity or availability in the official proceeding or fabricate any physical evidence with intent that it be introduced in an official proceeding um, or offering any physical evidence that is fabricated or altered. So it can be um, concealing, removing, hiding any physical evidence that might be used, basically. Um, And so... Those are the two things that he's charged with. So it sounds like um, that he's believed to be involved somehow in the planning and maybe aftermath of the crime. Um, But we don't know much about his involvement at this point, I think. But he's actually never been brought up in the case before. Um, But a Steve Lawson was brought up as someone that Brooks Hauk was on the phone with. The night that Crystal disappeared. Um, And when he talked to investigators, he said that Steve Lawson works for me, but he couldn't remember why Steve called him so late. So while Brooks was talking to investigators, he called Steve Lawson and asked him, why did you call me the other night so late? And he said that it was about numbers for houses, and Brooks says, oh, the rental properties, and so um, Steve Lawson is a person that came up in the case as someone that Brooks talked to the night of her disappearance late at night, and a WDRB article about Joseph Lawson's arrest says that um, a source has said that Steve Lawson is Joseph's dad. Um, and so Joseph Lawson is only 32 now, um, and this has been going on for eight years. So that means that he would have only been 24 years old at the time that um, this allegedly happened. So a not guilty plea was entered on Thursday, and his next court date is on October 26th. And um, so, yeah, that, that's where we are right now.
0: So Jasmine in in your estimation, how how big of a break is this in the case? Like this is the first arrest we've had so it seems like that that should be a big deal, but is I mean, it's just uh it, it's not like a it's not an indictment for murder or it's not an arrest for murder. Um it's it's not even uh like an arrest for like the it's a, it's a conspiracy arrest like you were talking about earlier. So so in your estimation, how big of a deal is this?
1: I do think it's a really big deal because typically when the FBI is involved, they don't bring charges unless they have pretty good evidence. I mean, in the federal system, um, the conviction rate is so high. Right. Right. And, and so I would think it it does mean quite a bit, um, but of course he is presumed innocent and we don't know anything about his alleged involvement, only what he's charged with, um, at, at this point. And so it's hard to say, but but my guess would be that it's a pretty big break. And it it may be that they have mounting evidence against someone for murder charges, and maybe arresting someone for conspiracy maybe that's an opportunity to you know solidify like a confession and a statement from this person to help
0: secure the person are yeah, actually going after. Yeah, to ask secure
1: yeah. evidence against another person and, and so um, that could be a, a big deal as well um, I don't know and I mean, something I do know is that Mr. Lawson is, um, paralyzed and uses a wheelchair. Um, and I mean, jail, jail isn't a great place to be, um, for someone who needs like increased medical care. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, you know, I don't, I don't know this for a fact at all. Um, but you know, he may be someone that they're willing to like work out a deal with um, yeah. to, to provide information, mm. you know, um, that's just like totally just guessing on, on my part. Right. I this is all just speculation.
0: Now, right but now, i i so i i don't yeah. really know how this works except for like in the movies uh and, and you of course have an entire career of dealing with it but but does this usually like rise even to the level of an arrest like if you're trying to lean on somebody to secure a confession from somebody would you even need to arrest arrest them if they were willing to make a statement or are you just like threaten to arrest them and get evidence that way or or like how how does that always work are you surprised that it even came to the point of him going to jail
1: the threat of arrest enough to Yeah, yeah, protection? if you're like if you're
0: like trying to get if you're trying to get this guy to like give up somebody else. Do you need to arrest him or can you be like we have all this on you. You know, we know you did this, we know you did that. We have evidence to it. We're going to arrest you. We're going to put you in jail unless you tell us this. And if you tell if you do tell us this, then we don't have to arrest you. We don't have to put you in handcuffs. We can just we can just move along with our lives.
1: I mean, sometimes in some cases, immunity from prosecution may be offered from the start of a case like that. Um, but this isn't one, um, you know, an eight year long murder investigation. Right. Is it one where I'd see that being the case? And, and I also, you also don't see someone being like questioned and then let go very often. Um, for fear of like flight, if they know that they're a suspect,
0: right? That's a good point too. In
1: a in a case, and if there's if if they have if they have the probable cause, they're going to arrest them and figure out the rest later, usually.
0: Right. Okay. Well. Okay. So big news in the Crystal Rogers case, which we've been tracking for a very long time. Um, we will continue to monitor it, and you know, there's no doubt about it that the local media and everybody else will be talking about it if this leads to more stuff happening. So we'll tell you about it if it does. Um, but yeah, that was good. Uh, anything else you want to say about it before we move on?
1: No, you know, I think that's it. And I don't know. I don't know if like from here we may start to see other dominoes fall, but it it, it feels like you know something. Something big may be happening and and coming from an arrest being made, I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens okay let's move on to talk a little bit about things that are happening in house district 93 in south lexington so um yeah like i said kind of at the beginning of the story this uh show this this is kind of a tough segment for me to talk about i I think it's important it's it's something that's going on it's very topical to the things we talk about on the show but the people involved in this are all people i know pretty well and i respect every like people on kind of like both of the sides of the conflict of this situation so uh you know this is this is a tough thing for me to talk about but and and i'm going to do my best to kind of represent everybody fairly you know um i reached out to to, you know most of the people involved in this or several of the people involved in this um and and did talk to a few before so you know i've tried to incorporate some of the stuff i heard into this and You know, it isn't fun um, when people that you know are uh, in a fight uh, or in in an argument or disagree on on something or I mean, especially when it's about stuff as serious as some of the stuff involved in this. But uh, but it's going on. So we need to talk about it. Um, Okay, so a few weeks ago we did talk about this. There was uh, a selection of the Democratic candidate in the 93rd House District. Um, Adriel Camuel won, um, one that, that, that selection, that, that selection was using, used, uh, the typical democratic party, <laughs> used the typical democratic party process. And she was selected over several candidates, but I think most notably she was selected over Emma Curtis, who is a trans woman. She would have been the first trans person elected to the state legislature. She was the first person to get into the race. And Adriel Camuel came in afterwards and, um, you know, uh, she used her her uh, you know campaign tactics, and she uh, worked the, the 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 process, and was selected. And, and it was I in I do believe it was totally fair. It was just kind of she was more well positioned to, to to get that selection. Um, and, and I will say that it was uh, the case that the trans community was upset that Miss Curtis was not nominated, and uh, you know in the. Immediate aftermath, though, uh, Emma Curtis did endorse Miss um, Camuel for for the seat. So so it seemed like everything was kind of rolling along in the typical process of a contested primary or a contested selection process that that resulted in one person winning. Um, we did our best to get over our hurt feelings in the meantime and, and, and moving forward. And that kind of seemed to be the way that this was was going forth. Um shortly after her selection miss cameo was on wkyt which is a television station there in lexington that they have a very robust and good public affairs programming on that and she was doing an interview interview with bill bryant um who has been doing that job for a very long time and she was asked about the role of social issues in the campaign um You know she's a a pretty new politician i think that this is her first run for office and you know as is the case when you're on tv she gave kind of a rambling answer uh eventually something she said um definitely struck a nerve and and this is this is the direct quote quote this is actually one of the reasons i jumped in because i'm really tired of of you know the extremes on both sides of polarizing issues when we really need to get to the meat of issues unquote so This clip was first shared by Michael Frazier. Michael Frazier is an, uh, an LGBTQ Republican. He's worked for a lot of Republicans in the past, including, you know, I think most recently he worked for the guy that that ran against Morgan McGarvey as his campaign manager. But he's been very active in Republican politics for a long time um but it was this clip was also spread very widely including by rebecca blankenship who has been on the show before um she's um a, a well-known trans activist in, in kentucky she's testified in frankfurt she's um in the democratic party's central committee uh she's uh, in, involved in a lot of stuff um and yeah the, the quote is pretty bad you know saying that there's extremes on both sides um you know that that that's kind of that's kind of rough uh and and i think that was uh definitely not something that a, a lot of people liked, especially in the wake of her um beating a challenger in the selection process who was a, a trans activist and then, and then going on to say that there were you know extremes on both sides um, three days after that clip was widely shared, I don't know exactly the day that the television show aired, but three days after you know, it was widely shared on social media, this was on August 20th, there was a Meet the Candidate event, um, and, and Ms. Camuel clarified her statement. Um, and I got a lot of this from the 120 United uh, uh, X twitter account, who uh, they, they are closely aligned with Camuel, They were also closely aligned with Sherilyn Stevenson, who uh, was representing a lot of this area before her district was completely shifted. Um, so, so they're very active in, in this specific area of, of Lexington. So anyways, they were supporting her. They were doing this event. And this is the quote that, that they shared. Quote, I wanted to take this opportunity to clearly state what has already been known and stated in the past. I have always been a supporter of the LGBTQ plus community and will always oppose any legislation attacking its members in the future. In fact, I feel that way about any of the minority groups here in Kentucky. I also want to clarify about what I said about extremes on both sides. Let me be clear. The question was asked not about the the question. Uh, The question was asked was not about SB 150. I'm sorry if I misinterpreted that part. When I mentioned extremes, I was referencing the far right, as well as those Democrats or liberals who will attack their own supporters, which only helps the GOP. To me, that type of behavior is extreme and only helps Republicans and the far right, unquote. So um, there's a lot there. But I think first and foremost, I think that this statement clarified what I did think to be the case. It seemed like Ms. Camuel just got tripped up in the interview, made a statement that came out awkwardly. I think if she's elected to this seat, she will do a good job of standing up for the trans community and the legislature. That's my belief. Not everybody's belief, that's, that's my belief. However, nowhere in the statement did she say that. I, it just kind of seems that way. Uh, you know, she, she does say she's been a supporter of the LGBTQ plus community uh, and will always oppose any legislation, uh, you know, attacking its members in, in the future. Um, but, but she's not, she, you know, she 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 is not like saying she's sorry. She's not uh, saying I re- repudiate that my statement about extremes on both sides and, and that kind of stuff. And then the second part of this statement uh, about Democrats who attack their supporters, you know, it could be interpreted as a swipe at her critics. I don't know if that's what Miss Camuel intended, but, you know, there was kind of no need for that part of the statement. You could have just yeah. dropped it. You could have just, like, <laughs> left it out totally. Um, and, and she didn't. She, she went on and, you know... She was certainly being attacked on social media by a lot of people all over the place, and that causes people to feel defensive. There's a lot of hurt feelings because of a lot of the social media stuff that's been going on, for sure, on, on both both ends of this conflict. Um, but, you know, she's the person running for office, and in my estimation, she probably could have avoided a lot of this if she had just, like, left that, that part out. This statement in the end, didn't really do anything to placate the bad feelings in the trans community. I, I, you know, or in the pieces of the trans community that were upset in the first place. Um, on the same day that Miss Camuel made that statement, Rebecca Blankenship tweeted, quote, she knows what I'm asking for a public apology for queer phobia, unquote. Was Miss Camuel being queerphobic? You know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but if, that is something that a member of the queer community asks for, you know, a public apology for queer phobia, you know, just, it, it, there, there's no harm. Just, just apologize. I mean, that, that's what I would do at least. Um, I, I, can't, I can't speak for, um, the, the public strategy of Miss Camuel. Uh, and maybe she feels like she has apologized. I, I don't know. Um, but, but the conflict certainly remains, <laughs> remains after that. Okay. So all of that is kind of old news. It happened at the end of August. Um, and we're talking about this today in mid-September because Emma Curtis pulled her endorsement of Miss Camuel on September the 9th. Miss Curtis wrote a long statement about her reasons, but I think uh, a key quote is this, quote, While many in the trans community raised concerns about the August 20th statement online, Camuel supporters engaged in a seemingly coordinated harassment campaign, unquote. And then eventually she goes on to say, quote, Transgender Kentuckians, especially our trans young, deserve to know that kentucky democrats have their back camuwell's behavior casts significant doubt on whether it really does unquote so you know we have the august 20 20th, 20th statement and there's a lot of social media stuff that's gone on and, and that's really as far as i can see what has existed publicly uh, i don't know what caused Emma Curtis to pull her endorsement beyond uh, the the social media bickering there were a lot of accusations thrown around about you know uh, miss uh, miss Camuel saying you know people were attacking her faith um, which which definitely upset a lot of people um, a, a lot of uh, you know in, intimations about Republicans and you know uh, some people interpreting that as saying they, that they were being accused of being Republican agents um, a, a lot of stuff like that that you know, I feel it can be interpreted interpreted in in lots of different kinds of ways and and definitely mean that people are um, just kind of – they're just upset. There's a lot of uh, hurt feelings going on um, and a lot of just really strong and raw emotions that are happening out there. So um, anyways, that's that's about where we stand uh, with – yeah, Adrielle Camuels up for election in November, working really hard to retain Lamine Swan's seat. Uh, that was a pretty close election in 2022. It's a Biden district, um, but it's it's one that Republicans feel like they could be competitive in. And that's what Adrielle Camuel is trying to win. And her closest competitor in the selection process for the Democratic nomination uh, has pulled. Uh, her endorsement of her um, over over this issue. Um, that's notable. I think it's really unfortunate. Um, my personal conclusions about this whole situation are that Adrielle Camdenwell won the nomination to the 93rd House District in a fair process, which she was well-positioned to win. And if she was elected, I think she has promised to vote in ways that are supportive to the LGBTQ community. Uh, I think that that's clear. She did say that in her statement, and I, I believe her about that she then made a really bad statement on television um it it wasn't great the things that she said did not um did not reflect well on her um and then her her follow-up statement to me missed the mark i I don't think i think she she did clear up a lot of stuff i i did think a part of that was important and and good to get out there but i think the, the statement as a whole um you know, while it cleared up some problems and created other ones. So in that way, it, it really missed the mark. So, you know, where do we do we kind of go from here? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that there there are a lot of people who are really smarting on both sides of this. I think everybody feels like they're being treated unfairly and treated poorly. Um and I think that that's probably true. There's a lot of people who are saying things especially online, that I think are really inappropriate. Um, and, and I would I would say that um, that is something that's kind of happening on both ends of this conflict, um, where, where the language has gotten really heated, where people are getting really angry. Um, I'm still a strong supporter of Adriel Camuel. Uh I think that she's going to be a much better uh, representative than the other person in this race. Um, I, I think it would be good to have her in there for the rest of this term. Um, you know, if i think the the most appropriate venue for a lot of the stuff that's been going on is a primary uh which you know i certainly hope i think emma curtis said she isn't running in 2024 um but if she really feels like she can do the job better i certainly hope that she does run or if a a person in the trans community feels like that they could do a better job that adriel came well i I would hope that they would run in that primary i I think you know especially if people get elected and uh in special elections in in safe districts, uh, I think primaries the the next time after that are are important are are worthwhile. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I certainly do hope that we can do better in the future. I certainly hope that a lot of these hurt feelings get worked through. Um, and then I hope that Adriel Camuel gets elected and I do hope that she makes us all proud to have her in Frankfurt when she is elected this November. Um, but, but this is, this is tough. This is a tough situation. Um, the democratic party is not in a really good spot. We obviously don't have a lot of power. We don't have a lot of people. And, uh, this certainly doesn't help things and the way it, in which it's continued to escalate and continue to get worse is, is not a great sign. So that's all I really have to say about that, but jasmine, what are what are your thoughts?
1: I think when I first heard about the statement that she made during um, this television appearance, I saw it from I think Rebecca Blankenship's post online. and when I read what she said, I was like, "Oh my god, that's horrible!" Um, but then I actually watched the clip, and what what I saw on Twitter was actually like slightly misquoted. Um, and so I thought that what she said wasn't wasn't exactly what I was seeing online, but it it was bad. And but I do think it was. At least I hope it was likely just a misstatement. And I mean, I do that all the time. You know, while I can do pretty well with like public speaking with planned remarks, when something's just a conversational thing um, like that, and you're on TV, like you get nervous, and like you are, you may not be prepared for the questions, and something comes out wrong, it comes out awkward. And I think that she easily, easily could have cleaned that up and said that isn't what i meant it was a mistake i apologize to the queer and trans community and i just think there were so many ways to fix this and she didn't do any of them um i think the apology that was made was a bad apology that then like seemed to like t- take another dig or shot at the people criticizing her um i'm not sure if it was meant to do that but that's how it came out to me And I think that this is a district where I think it's a democratic district where a Republican can compete, but I I don't think it's a district where a Democrat needs to like shy away from supporting LGBTQ people. So I don't think it's like, I think it's just a huge mistake not to just acknowledge this and, and reach out to the LGBTQ plus community I don't know. I I just think in campaign sometimes people get in this like campaign and political mode and almost just forget how to be a human and just like talk to people. Like, I just think this all could have been solved if she said this was totally a mistake on my part. I didn't mean to say that. Here's what I meant. And also talked to the people who are upset, talk to the trans community, make an apology, and see how she can do better and and be done with it. Um and that's not what happened and
0: well it's uh, not what has happened yet. You know, I, I do think that there is space for maybe you know healing or improvement in feelings at least uh, at some point the election's not for a couple of months and you know I, I do i do hope that that people remain open to these kinds of conversations that's kind of another another wrinkle to this uh you know i i think that it's it is you know you dig in you dig your heels in in these races you do act as if everything is super political because it is like it's politics that's literally politics um and, and that is unfortunate i think you're exactly right there um yeah i don't know we we are uh planning to have uh you know AJ joe on on the show in a few weeks um you know i i do expect that we'll we'll talk about some of these issues uh maybe we'll get some some clarity there Uh, this won't be the only thing we talk about of course but but it will be something we talk about so hopefully we learn more there yeah sorry if i cut you off there jasmine you have more to say there
1: no that was it
0: yeah okay yeah i i don't know i i don't know where this is going i don't know where it's headed um i I, but but i do i do think i do hope that that things will improve um i don't think anybody is enjoying this conflict i think a lot of people are feeling very upset and raw so like let's let's get better let's do our best to to improve what we're feeling here so um yeah uh really unfortunate you know, I I I also just hope that like in the segment, everybody feels well represented. I hope I didn't, you know, make everybody like make anybody feel like that their position was was way off. But but it's a conflict, um, and it is something where you know we had to do our best to talk about what's going on. Oh, okay, Jasmine, we don't have any real notes about these quick hits, but I did want to at least bring them up. There's two things that kind of broke today. So the first is a, a case that we have been following. So Senate Bill Seven from 2023 earlier this year that that's a bill that kept jcta from withholding union dues from pay, paychecks which is uh, you know their main practice for how they collect union dues uh it was in the bill blocked for from them but not from any of the other public unions like basically any of the other public unions uh, did not have it blocked um this bill the law sb 7 was though basically blocked by Judge Thomas Wingate, who is a Franklin Circuit Court judge, um, they had kind of wanted to wait for everything to be settled with uh, the 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 um, venue bill, the venue bill, and I think that, that since that has happened, this ruling has come out and it was it was blocked at least at that level. Um, Jasmine, did you read anything else about this today? Am I explaining this correctly, or am I missing anything really glaring?
1: Um, I have not gotten to read it yet that's why i said this happened but i don't have time to write a yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. well if we really (laughs) blew it and 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 told you wrong this week we will fix it next week but
1: yeah i i think it it was it was blocked in franklin circuit court um i'm sure that's going up yeah to the appellate courts and it
0: will make its way to the kentucky supreme court for sure all right, next up, Lawrence B. Van Meter, who is the uh, Kentucky Supreme Court Chief Justice, um, very recently achieved that yeah, situation. just
1: became Chief Justice after Chief Justice Minton retired.
0: Yeah, but he has decided to retire. I did not know that he spelled his name L-A-U-R-A-N-C-E. That's an interesting way to spell Lawrence, but uh, he does, and he has decided to hang it up. He, uh, Yeah, he just achieved... Um, the the chief justice situation and he is now deciding to hang it up now jasmine do you know what district he's in i am f- feeling like he's like south central kentucky but i don't know that for certain
1: he's so he was just elected to the supreme court in november 2016 oh really yeah so he was on the court of appeals ah, okay. um, before i mean he he served at um every level basically but he was on the court of appeals and then um november 2016 he won election to the supreme court so he took office january 2017 and he's from the fifth district which is includes fayette county and those surrounding counties like jessamine bourbon Uh
0: so he Mm -hmm. and and let me let me see if i you know I, I, you, you answer to the best of your ability, Jasmine. But he's one of the more conservative members of the Supreme Court. Is that right?
1: I would say that he is fairly conservative, but I, I would not call him like a hyper-partisan gotcha. judge. Um, but one of the more conservative ones, yes. A-
0: and this is a district, I think, uh, with, with Lexington kind of holding it down there in the middle – that might be able to elect some, uh, somebody who may be more amenable to things like abortion rights or, or LGBTQ rights. Um, if, if, uh, you know, if people were to organize or get the right candidates out in, in this district potentially, that's no, just me saying that we'll see what happens. These, these races have gotten more political kind of on both sides. Um, and it will be closely watched. Um, okay, well, well, yeah, so, so that's definitely big news. Um, Lawrence V. Meter decide, deciding to retire, um, there will be an open seat in uh, the Supreme Court in the Lexington seat. So we'll see what happens. What happens there? All right. Well, that's the show for this week. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Jasmine, how can people get a hold of us?
1: They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at my old They can like our Facebook page and listen to our podcast on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And you can subscribe to our Patreon page and support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the Dimcast Network and the Ford Kentucky
0: Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.